Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to the fully vaccinated House of Pod. I'm Kaveh. I'm Lizzie. And the listeners can't see this, but I'm pumping my fists in the air because you and I both have received our full vaccinations. We are. COVID. You are correct. 100% of the House of Pod is vaccinated. I received my second vaccine dose this morning and I posted about it. I went to Facebook for the first time in a really long time. Because this week it feels cleaner and safer and brighter and gooder. Um, all the social media platforms banning Trump and then Amazon, Google, and Apple banning Parler. Like it feels good because that was a big tool that Trump was using. And them all banning him. Again, Facebook was one of the first ones, you know, like yeah. it's the best Zuckerberg has done um, that I can remember. And, and it, so I wanted to like, applaud that and post about my vaccine as a, as a steward for vaccinations. I thought it's a good PR and, you know, another plug for masks and social distancing. And I specifically commented and believe like that's what patriotism is right now in 2021. And from 2020 is like making these ridiculously small sacrifices of wearing a mask um, and not, you know, not rioting public buildings or, or any buildings for that matter. So I thought that was a better version of patriotism than what we saw last week. So before we leave the topic of social media, because I want to talk to you about the vaccine itself. But before we leave that topic, do you feel like it's going to be a healthier place now? The Internet, things are going to change really in any meaningful way. Do you think it's still going to be a pretty toxic, horrible place? I mean, uh, because we're not an authoritarian dictatorial society yet, I appreciated the effort because I don't think the leader of our country should be 
um, spouting hatred and policy through social media. That's what they have press conferences. Uh, They have a captive audience already. They don't need to also use social media, I don't think. Yeah, and I think no doubt you took away a very toxic, powerful individual's most powerful tool. I think he would even admit that himself. So I'm happy about that. I'm a little more cynical overall about, you know, um, the internet changing in any meaningful way. And I'm pretty sure Zuckerberg only did this because he did the calculations and he basically said, okay, we've got as much money as we're going to make out of this. Um, But the one thing I do think will be good is I think if there is less of these components, um, if there is, you know, less of like these fascist bots on Twitter, for example, um, and maybe a change in the flow or algorithms of Facebook, there might be a little bit less chance that someone who is uh, potentially could be radicalized will get radicalized. Like that one dude who like just started going on social media so he could like follow Chris Pratt's diet and exercise, you know, and ended up chanting racist slogans a year later or whatever. Maybe that won't happen as much. I mean, I'm hopeful. I don't know. Um, I mean, a big problem also is, I mean, I've done it myself, YouTube. I'll watch like one video, like one sketch comedy, one musical artist. Those are the things that I tend to watch. And it will keep going and keep going. And I could easily see how that could take you down a path. And people are being, you know, they're consuming hours and hours and hours of their time down these paths. And I I could easily see how that could happen. Okay, so talking about the the vaccine itself. So I had mine, my second dose already. Um, And you just had yours today. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's early. How are you feeling? Any side effects? It's been um, like 10, 10, 11 hours. So um, it's the same as a first for me. Barely felt it going in, sore arm. You know, that's it. I did take Tylenol just as prophylactic because I didn't feel like having a fever today because I was at work. You know, I'll tell you, when I had my second shot, uh, I was really bracing for sort of the worst because I had heard some bad stories, but I was actually a little bit more worried overall that my symptoms weren't that bad. I, you know, my arm was a little sore, much less sore than the first shot. I was a little tired the next day, but I I also had been up late that night. So, I mean, and that maybe was a little bit like, uh, felt a little kind of bit of malaise, a little bit cruddy, but really it could have really just been any random day. I, I don't know. Tell you how. Based on like our years point, of friendship, there are many yeah. days that you feel cruddy. I can attest to that. Yeah, like, you know, we're getting old, you know, and, and there's some days, you know, feel, feel it, feel those, that, those years. So yeah. I didn't feel anything in particular that was, it, I certainly would recommend it. I certainly didn't see anything there that was that bad. My friends who have had worse side effects, even they um, would, you know, had no regrets about doing it. So um, but you know, I was a little worried. I'm like, is this, my, am I, am I mounting a, an immune response? Am I not getting that, that benefit? But you know, actually looking into it, most people don't have severe symptoms. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it a lot because some people do have really bad ones, yeah. but it doesn't, it certainly doesn't seem like you have to. So that is, is reassuring. And totally worth it. I'm super grateful again, that we have the opportunity for me and my process in my hospital seamless really i think i waited mm-hmm. zero minute like seconds maybe it's yeah. just been amazing from if you're listening to the distribution issues that are going on now like it's been yeah. so great in the bay area and at least at our institution but it, this is like yeah. a great example where media can't go right like the, if they minimize 
your symptoms. Right. Then people right, are like, right. oh my God, I have a virus. I'm going to die. You guys lied to me. Right. And what the, the stewards like Fauci and others are doing is saying, don't get freaked out if on the second vaccine you feel terrible. So then when you feel normal, you're like, it's not working. It's like a total catch 22. Right. Like this is a very hard way to spin because there's so much hysteria. There's so much hype. There's so much, so many, we've talked about so many pseudoscience kind of myths that are going around that I think the media and people like Fauci have a really hard time, a hard job, a hard task communicating the truth without hysteria and without minimizing it. It's like a delicate balance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let me know how you do tomorrow. I'll, I'll check in with you, see how you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll update the, uh, our followers on, on Twitter. If you really take a sharp, uh, turn, um, I don't expect <laughs> cool. that you will. Cool. Just don't, just don't drink too much tonight. Anyways. All right. Stay tuned, everyone. Coming up next, we have Dr. Jen Gunter. She's going to talk to us about vibrators. And speaking of vibrators, I want to thank Nadim for help with production. Please follow us on Twitter. And if you haven't already, rate, review us at iTunes. Lizzie, anything else you want to, or anyone else you want to give a shout out to? For the first time, yes. <gasps> I was going to say no. <laughs> Our friend Sharky Laguana is running for Assembly District 17 delegate in the Democratic Party. Please go online and request a ballot and vote for him. He's our guru in all things politics, music, law. Look him up. We'll, we'll post a link to that. All right. Stay tuned. And welcome back. To the House of Pod today, returning, returning champ, now member of the three-time appearance on the House of Pod Club, Dr. Jennifer Gunter. Uh, Dr. Gunter, thank you so much for coming on. You're in rarefied air in the three-time returning club to the House of Pod. Do I get like a special jacket like they do on SNL? T-shirts. We don't. We can't <laughs> afford jackets. Uh, or st- <laughs> uh, stickers. We'll send you some stickers. <laughs> so who else is in the? Who else is a three-peat? No uh, one. Sharky, Sharky, no, Sharky Laguana is oh, a yeah. three Peter. That's right. Um, and Ryan Marino. <laughs> oh, well, Ryan. Those are the only people. ones. Yeah. Those are, the, those are the only people that you have to compete with right now. And you could take the lead after this. We'll talk. But yeah. um, today, <laughs> today, this is going to be an exciting episode. We're going to talk about vibrators. And I'm going to try and use that word as often as possible in this episode, just <laughs> so I can become more comfortable with it, um, mm-hmm. saying it out loud. Vibrators, vibrators, vibrators. I may throw in a dildo or two in a, as well. So first, first thing I wanted to talk about in regards to vibrators is the history of it. I think by now, a lot of people have heard that they were initially used by doctors, that it was sort of a medical tool sold as a cure-all for all these different types of problems. And there is this story that's told that uh, in the 19th century, it was used by doctors to help masturbate women to control what they called hysteria. Now, that came in a book from, that was published in 1999 by someone named uh, Rachel Maines. She's a historian of technology at Cornell. But there is also uh, people who've said that's not the case. For example, Hallie Lieberman, she's a historian of technology at the Georgia Institution of Technology, Georgia Institution of Technology. She says that probably wasn't used for that purpose. So it sounds like it's not totally clear, 
the whole thing about Victorians and vibrators has really been debunked by Helen King. So there isn't, um, and she's, you know, kind of an expert in, um, in, uh, in a lot of historical things related to women's health. So it doesn't seem that that was, uh, you know, really that whole sort of Victorian idea and the Victorians using them on their female patients. That, that doesn't seem to have um, any, any truth to it uh, from, which, from what Helen King says. Which is, which is too bad. I understand why that story spread. It's hilarious. Like the concept of doctors using vibrators in their office. If you think about it, it's one of those things that's probably too good to be true. You guys yes. know that in, um, in San Francisco, there is uh, the Museum of Vibrator History that I've been to. Yeah, <laughs> that's at Good Vibrations. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. in a yeah. vibrator store in the back. It's very small. It's very cute. But it does show how a lot of it was geared towards something else. The whole point, I think, of vibrators in our society, and Jen, you can correct me, is like, kind of pitching it for something else like weight loss or whatever. And then women kind of like <laughs> figure it out and like are doing it. Then it gets bought. It, it flies off the shelves. And then, then the men are like, wait, what's going on here? And then kind of redirect and rebrand over and over and over again. You know, I think part of it is there's just, it's so hard for so many people to, um, to talk about sex in non-sophomoric ways. So it's very easy for, you know, these ideas to just, you know, around and around yeah so so first of all you know there's there another common internet myth is that you know cleopatra had a whatever a jar or something filled with bees that vibrated and that's not true hmm. okay you're like Seems <laughs> dangerous Seems yeah. dangerous right <laughs> yeah but certainly you know there's um so the first evidence that that i've found there was uh you know something called a, a burmese bell in um, ancient China that uh, was written about in a novel. And it was said to be a small ball with thin metal sheets of gold or copper um, and sort of connected and it was filled with mercury. So the mercury could go sort of between chamber and chamber and chamber. And when warmed up um, or shaken, it would vibrate. You know, so it was something that was uh, supposed to apparently, um, you know, go in the vagina and would get heated up, heated up by the, you know, the heat, and then that would cause, I guess, the mercury to expand or contract and 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 move the the ball around. But it's so amazing how ingenious we can be when it comes to sex. Yeah. Like this was, I think the wheel was just invented and then they were like, how do we get off? How do okay. we use technology to get off? Actually, I love that about humans. Sorry, is the mercury thing, you think that's true? Because follow-up question yeah. is like, does it lead to Mad Hatter disease? Because I thought like yeah. heating up mercury and consuming it led to like people kind of going crazy and developing what, what became called Mad Hatter disease. Well, I think the idea would be that it would stay inside the ball yeah. um, and wouldn't leak out. Although I yeah. don't, you know, I don't know, you know, how accurate, how, you know, how good technology yeah. would be for that. Right. Um, but yeah, def I mean, it's, this is from an academic journal, uh, you know, a scholar in, you know, who writes about ancient China. So, um, wow. so I, I'm, I'm going to say that it probably is correct. If only Goop had stuck to that concept yeah. as opposed to this jade egg thing. But let me well, ask you. Well, that's what happens when you do no research, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So getting back to the whole discussion of what a vibrator is versus mm -hmm. like a dildo, just, you know, pretend that I don't know anything, which isn't too far <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> what is the difference between the two? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think they are, you know, 
you know, that, that a dildo has necessarily strict to medical definition. But I think when most of us are talking about a dildo, we're talking about something that's kind of phallic shaped that would go in the vagina. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be a vibrator or not. It's just kind of a phallic shaped um, thing. And a vibrator can be any shape um, and it can go in, you know, uh, the vagina or the rectum and, or be used externally and it vibrates and that's it. So, you know, it can be dildo shaped. It can be, have, they, have, they have so many creative shapes. Um, some seem to, to have interesting concepts of anatomy and others seem to be very, you know, um, you know, you can sort of visually concrete sort of get an idea about how you would use it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, you know, maybe part of the fun is, you know, people get to sort of explore and use them in different ways. And um, so, yeah. So I, and I think that, you know, the, the most Im important thing or the biggest myth to kind of debunk about them is that this idea that there's something wrong with you if if you need or like to use a vibrator maybe we'll just go back to need because people can kind of wrap their brain around liking something more but uh you know this idea that if you need a vibrator to have an orgasm i mean like who cares like i need glasses to see why is that any different i can't i can't read without my glasses yeah, yeah like yeah. that yeah well that leads to a lot of the stuff you talk about in your book, The Vagina Bible, which for our listeners, I've plugged it before, but it's awesome. It's like amazing hi history. Um, there are facts about women's bodies, a little bit about men too, anatomy, history, and a little editorializing, which is very obvious when it's Jen's opinion versus facts. <laughs> this is like how things should be written, right? Like we know what she's talking about when it's her voice and we know when it's facts. But um, what what the female orgasm has had a lot of myth around it, right? And and there was someone who just died, actually, the height report or something, where she was one of these people memorialized in 2020, where she studied thousands of women and they commented on their ability to orgasm, you know, with penetration or not. And can you comment on that? Like how common is it and what became of that? Because women ultimately were made to feel insufficient, inadequate, or broken for a lot of these things that were stigmatized. Yeah, um, so I don't I don't know specifically about the height report, but um, but I can tell you that certainly, um, you know, Freud is the one who sort of popularized. Um, I'm sure it was probably a common thinking, but popularized the idea that there was a difference between a vaginal and a clitoral orgasm. So this idea that you know, <clears throat> pardon me, orgasm with the penis was was the mature form, and that orgasm with masturbation uh, was immature. And it might be fine for younger women to do that. But, you know, once she became a mature grown up lady, you know, it was all about the penis. And so we know that, you know, oh, this was probably also an idea that was discussed without really a good knowledge of clitoral anatomy. Um, because, you know, the clitoris is not just, a, you know, a, a sort of a tic-tac or kidney bean sized thing that you see externally. That's just the clitoral glands. It's really a, a quite a larger organ that um, is, you know, also extends kind of around the urethra and under the labia. And so can be accessed in lots of different ways. And so only about a third of women um, will achieve orgasm with, with penile penetration. and. Uh, so you certainly do not, you know, do not need a penis to have good sex. To that end, I'll, I'll plug your Amazon Prime video series. You did a good episode <laughs> on sex and you, uh, you show us a good outline of what the anatomy looks like. So that's, if someone's interested, that's a good place to go. I'm actually surprised that it's a third. I thought it would be lower 
in terms of the percentage of women that are able to have orgasm just from penetrative sex. Yeah, but there, this is taking a group of women who are, you know, are, are, are orgasmic, right? So women who've had orgasms. So I think if you're taking sort of like all comers and you're looking at women who- you All know, comers. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> looking at, you know, asking all women, then I think you're, you know, going to find a probably lower percentage because there's, you know, a significant percentage of women that, you know, have difficulty achieving orgasm. And for many of them, it's because of this type of mythology, this mm-hmm. sort of focus on vaginal right. penetration or that this rush to it and- and also this focus that we have in society about making sex metric oriented, you know, mm-hmm. like, right, right. Did you, did it, did you come? Right. And it's like, well, actually, isn't the goal actually to have pleasure and to feel, you know, and different people might have different goals with intercourse or with sex. It doesn't have to necessarily be intercourse right. and different people may have different ideas, you know, on Saturday when you're feeling one way sex, you might want one thing from sex. And on third Wednesday, after <laughs> witnessing an almost coup of the government, you know, <laughs> you might want something else from sex. <laughs> <laughs> it, that's that's a great point. It's it's also funny that Freud holds such an important place in so many cultural ways, given how many of his like medical and psychiatric ideas, psychological ideas, have been disproven over time. Yeah. Like it's, it's not just this. A lot of his other things that he's talked about have basically been disproven, and you don't really find a lot of really respected psychoanalysts that use Freudian theory these days. So there's so much of him that's left behind though. This is one example, this idea of the clitoral orgasm being this immature thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, he popularized a lot of it, but if you look at, you know, there's so many cultures that have practiced female genital mutilation. So obviously they felt that, you know, the clitoral glands was the source of problems. And so I think like, you know, there's, uh, you know, the Victorians um, for a period of time were doing surgeries to remove the clitoris. So, you know, so I think that, you know, there's so much interplay with sort of weaponization of, you know, of sexuality that, you know, I think, you know, Freud, I guess, you know, I don't, I'm certainly not a Freud historian. So, you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know how he became sort of this big voice and, and other people you know, who maybe had different ideas, or maybe there wasn't anybody, you know, maybe he was the only one talking about it. I think part of his um, thing, yeah, is that he was talking about it. And I think he popularized like actual psychotherapy, whether I think all his thoughts about it were wrong, but the concept of sort of talking about dreams and thoughts, but I've, um, so I'm not on Twitter really, unless Kaveh encourages me to, but I I do have my finger on the pulse of pop culture. Otherwise like TV movies, finger on the pulse. That's that's two. Sorry. I'm just, I'm just counting them all. (laughs) Coming and Sorry, on the pulse. Yeah, that's great. I love all the sex puns. Good. Um, so in my in my life in the last twenty years as an adult um, having sex, I think that in pop culture, um, the most the most um, popularized form of a vibrator was on Sex in the City, the rabbit. In my mind, that's the only time I can remember. I mean, please again, both of you correct me if I'm wrong. Where people in in the show were talking about sex a lot. I mean, that's the whole point. I, I do think that they helps with some stigmas and, and the rabbit and a vibrator. So Jen, is that your experience as well with pop culture and vibrators? And can you explain to our audience maybe a couple of the different types of vibrators on sure. going along with that? So I've only seen like one episode of Sex in the City. I just was not a show that spoke to me. I, and I, <laughs> And and I watched a lot of Star Trek, so there weren't any vibrators. <laughs> Nobody watch, who watches Star Trek even has sex. You are an anomaly. You are not. Oh, no, I've a lot. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was the girl in the Star Trek fan club. Be like, woo! Um, so, uh, nice. yeah. So, um, so I watched that a lot. Uh, <laughs> and um, and erotica, you know, like you know, good old like you know, uh, period costume drama where everybody's all like hot and tense, a lot of build up, yeah. slow burn. Uh, so yeah. So I think I, you know, I think that it's an important point that vibrators are really very, very rarely shown. Um, you know, on there. So they're not normalized. A lot of ways that people have sex are not normalized because it all gets back to this vaginal orgasm concept, right? So before we talk about vibrators, we have to talk about the fact that if you watch most any, any sort of de depiction of sex in a, a show that's, uh, you know, not I guess X-rated. Uh, you you know it's basically five seconds from what looks like the start of penetration to orgasm, right? Mm -hmm. There's never any time. There's never like sort of any lingering time. I think I can remember like one or two movies where there was sort of clearly some oral sex happening beforehand, but it's just such a small percentage. And in fact, my kids are like, when we watched Game of Thrones, I counted like every time, and my kids are like, you have to stop doing that. You have to stop. They stop that. I'm like, no, it's really important information. I'm, I'm gathering facts. That is super important, but at the same time, being a, a son who has occasionally in, in the past growing up stumbled, like, like watching a movie with his parents and a sex scene comes on, I feel for your kids for that level of discomfort. There's nothing worse than like watching a movie with your parents and then a sex scene comes on. You're like, oh my God. In Game of Thrones, there were no vibrators. In Game of there Thrones. There were no vibrators. But can Although you tell us- sex scene. Can you tell us um, what the average, because I think I read this in Vagina Bible, what the average length of time it would take for intercourse penetration to result in perhaps the rare um, female orgasm? There's the average length of time that, um, that, that penetration really happens um, and the average length of time that sex therapists think would be ideal for penetration, you know, mm -hmm. if you're talking about like vaginal penile intercourse. And then there's the amount of time people actually think, so everybody thinks they're having like way more sex than they're having, right? They think they're having like hours of penetration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, which is, you know, it's not, it's, you know, I, I, I don't actually have the number off the top of my head. It's, it's like, three three minutes or something three to four minutes and sort of sex therapists on average say that the ideal length of time for penetration is probably like you know three to seven in that kind of range Boy. um but what everybody wants more of in surveys is actually foreplay yeah. you know so you know that's what so but all these all these movies all these sex scenes you know like maybe there's like witty repartee but you see very little physical foreplay yeah, three minutes, first of all, seems really long. I don't know where you guys are getting that number from. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it is true, though, when I think about it, now that you mention it, it's like movies have done such a horrible job of depicting what sex is, what you need for the woman to enjoy yourself in sex. Because they never, and maybe this is some sort of like regulation that movies have to have, but they, you never see the guy providing or the woman providing herself digital stimulation during the sex or using a vibrator during sex. I mean, that must be too pornographic or whatever for movies to put in to get the rating they want but you never do all you see is that that 30 second montage of them having sex and then them always simultaneously orgasming through just penetrative sex you know and then okay. them falling back and the sheet somehow magically covering her breast and his <laughs> his bottom is 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 only covered so you know i think a big part of this also comes from how we show it in movies 
on Sex in the City, it was only for self-pleasure. Again, there's a stigma there that you shouldn't necessarily right. bring it into the bed with you and your partner because Sex in the City was just solo. So I thought that was uh, maybe maybe a, the disservice. I think having the vibrator on the show was a great opportunity, but then kind of just having it by yourself maybe was a missed opportunity. It's really interesting. You know, you'd always like to be privy about like what the backroom negotiations were to get, you know, like what were they allowed to show? I mean, right. it's like, uh, you know, the, the whole, um, you know, the whole, the, the word Vijayjay apparently came out because in Grey's Anatomy, um, as Shonda Rhimes, I guess, uh, was, um, they, they told her she, what I read was that she'd used the word <clears throat> vagina too many times in one episode. So she has to come oh. up with a different, a different word, right, right. you know, and you know that there's no woman who probably said that. Right. Right. Um, it's a weird so, one. you know, so you have this like sort of patriarchal sort of, you know, studio system where making all the decisions. And the thing that I always find interesting is, you know, people think that the sex in movies is realistic, but nobody thinks the car chases are. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. None of it. Right. None of it. Right. None, of it, none of it is. You're right. Totally right. I mean, and, but that is like, I think that is unfortunately where most of us get our, our impression of sex from before you start having a lot of it. You know, when you're young, you sort of see that those scenes, you kind of start to believe that's what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually there's data that shows that kind of the first sort of naked person that you see or your sort of first exposure kind of imprints you as to that's what you think might be normal. So um, so I think that's why having, you know, accurate, you know, sex education and talk about things early. And so, so to get back to the vibrate, like what do vibrators look like in the, the sex in the city? So, I mean, just introducing it, just, I mean, just young women even, or women of any age or, you know, what people of any age, just yeah. seeing that I think is, you know, is, was at the time, you know, revolutionary. And so uh, I always, you know, so you wonder like how much you know, was that a paid endorsement or not? Right. You, know, you always want, like, again, one of the backstories, but yeah, sure. the rabbit's one, one kind of vibrator that has like a dildo to it. Um, and then has sort of another part that comes off at the bottom, which that has sort of two prongs that are supposed to go on either side of the clitoral glands. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's sort of built for, you know, I, I don't know how many body types that would actually fit for, um, and, you know, it's just one of those things that it might work really well for some people. I, some of them have like a rotation thing um, in the, that would be sort of the, the long dildo like sheath would have like a rotational thing around the bottom part. And so the, that would stimulate the part of the clitoris that kind of wraps around the urethra. Uh, and so, you know, it, it may kind of hit a lot of different parts, which would be good for some people. Yeah. And then I've heard you say, don't be afraid of plugins. Can you, can you elaborate yeah. on what that means? Yeah, well, you know, that was, um, you know, now, now through the advancement of, of, I guess, lithium battery technology, now they have rechargeables that are pretty good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, if you need one that plugs in, you get that extra juice, that's fine. But the Hitachi Magic Wand rechargeable is um, apparently got the same power as the Hitachi plug-in. Um, and yeah, I mean, some people need more, more stimulation. Some people don't, you know, people are very, you know, we're all very different in sensory ways. Like, like some people can't stand the feel of certain fabric, right? Some people, you know, can't, you know, have different things that, that please them when they're touched. So, you know, that's why having lots of different options for sex toys, I think is a good idea. Cause then you can sort of, you know, find what works for you. But if we don't talk about it, people wouldn't even know.
about yeah. the options. So speaking of which, are, are we not talking about it enough? I mean, like Lizzie mentioned Sex and the City, by the way, total Samantha. 20, year, like, <laughs> 20 years ago, uh, by the way, or more. Yeah, that was a long yeah. time ago. Like, you know, is it still taboo? And, you know, why? And what can we do about it? Should we do anything about it? Well, I think, yes. I think if, if, it, if it, I mean, obviously I'm not privy to what happens in behind the scenes and TV and stuff like that, but, um, but yeah, I think so. I think we don't talk about sex in a lot of ways in realistic ways. Now, I mean, is TV really realistic though? I think that's really the, the message. Like people have gorgeous clothes. They live in apartments that are like, you know, unattainable. So, you know, is the sex, less realistic than than the other parts of it and i don't i don't know i mean i think you need some anthropologist to tell you but i do think because people don't get information about sex where they should i i do think that you know it would be great to have more realistic storylines um you know i you know i i think that we've had you know so many sort of realistic male perspective storylines you know that that maybe it would be good to have storylines from you know all the other perspectives that that exists that that aren't just you know like an american pie but for like high school girls Mm -hmm. like you know like where they they talk about like because you're right nowadays in hollywood the concept of male masturbation is discussed and it's kind of usually done in a humorous way but it's out there you know it's there isn't quite the same shame I think out there as there probably was 20 years ago, but I certainly still don't see the concept of female masturbation discussed openly. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see some like, uh, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, it was sort of mentioned in Seinfeld, you know, or alluded to, right. There was that episode um, where they all had, they were all going to, they all were going to not masturbate. So somebody to see who could hold out the longest. Um, Elaine Bennis just like throws the money down on the table and goes, I'm out. (laughs) that's funny yeah i think it's it's more complicated i think female female anatomy is a little bit more complicated obviously we as doctors and dr gunter as a gynecologist it's not but i think to a classroom of kids or young adults i think the female anatomy is challenging and i think female masturbation i do probably think takes more effort and a little bit more studying and i think it's harder to just succeed i mean i think that's the whole point of um vibrators that's why vibrators are an important part of society everyone so my kids had the greatest sex ed at their um their middle school like it was so good they um i think it was in grade seven and it was a whole science module and one of the tests was they had a picture of the clitoris like the whole thing and they had to label the glands the bulbs the whole like everything and and that was awesome you think it was great but how many protests were there from the other parents? I'm just curious, because there's two sides to every story, yeah. right? Like what we think is great and um, innovative and progressive, you know, you'll see, you'll hear some disgruntled parents, I'm sure. I mean, I mean, possibly, I think, because everybody thinks they're quote, quote, enlightened where I live. Maybe, maybe people wouldn't, but I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they're, yeah. I mean, obviously this area in the country too, where like, it's just not discussed at all. Right. Um, but I thought that was great that that curriculum existed, yeah, you know? Definitely. Um, and that, that to me says a lot um, and that they really emphasized it. They talked a lot about consent. 
Um, and you know, the, the person really like gauged the, the room well. I mean, the very first time they started talking about it, they said, we want to ask like, what's everybody's sort of familiarity with talking about sex at home? And one of my sons put his hand up and said, my mom wrote about her vagina for the New York Times. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> A plus. Yeah, and so she's like, so you're comfortable with it. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but I think, you know, studies really tell us that if you can talk about sex in a non-sophomoric way, and like, why can't you say these are the parts of the clitoris, just like you'd say these are the parts of the foot, right? Yeah. You know, or these are the parts of, you know, the eye. Like, why shouldn't you know the, you know, all those differences? And if you can just demystify it, but you have to remember, I mean, until recently, you couldn't even say vagina on television. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you, do you, do you guys think that uh, COVID has revolutionized the use of vibrators? I mean, has it become more mainstream now? Because it just has to be more. I mean, they have to have sold more than ever before. I mean, people aren't out there dating as much. People aren't meeting new people as much. People are at home, stuck at I home. Say, I mean, yeah. if I didn't have a family, if I was a woman, I would have like a closet full of vibrators. You're arguing for a single people who live alone. For people who live with other people, kids or significant others, it is much harder <laughs> to do anything what? by yourself because people are always around. So I would argue that sure. like- maybe Hey mom, like, I opened the box from Amazon. What's this? <laughs> so I think people being in close quarters near each other prevents a lot of use and maybe innovation around the area. But the single people, yeah, definitely, I would guess, uh, right. purchases. I don't know. We should look this up. Well, there were a lot of um, sales right at the beginning mm -hmm. uh, because I, you know, like I, I'm always on these sites and so I get like all these emails. So, you know, there's a lot of like 15, 20% off. Um, and I, you know, I think, yeah, I think maybe some, maybe it, some people thought more about it, you know, but I also think too, it's also possible, you know, a lot of people were just, oh my God, like what is happening? And maybe they weren't in the mood too. So right, I think that right, they're right. probably like, um, I think they're probably, I think people are probably surprised in the emotional directions that they yeah. went, because I think there'd be some people who, who might have a tendency to be like, okay, this is, this is time for my sex exploration. Cause like, what else do I got to do? And other people who are like, well, I don't have any desire because I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to leave my house again safely. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I'm curious to hear what our listeners have to say about that. Um, They'll, I'm sure they'll chime in on that question. Yeah, but, you know, I think just, again, like just normalizing it and talking about it and, you know, just this, like we should be able to talk about vibrators just the same way we talk about glasses and hearing aids. And, you know, one common concern, you know, here from women is that their, you know, orgasmic intensity may decrease a little bit with age. And, you know, and as I say, you know, your wiring is all getting a little bit older, right? Like, that's just what happens. I didn't need glasses until like eight years ago. And now I'm literally, I, can, I my arms are not long enough for me to hold something for to actually read it, right? Like, I just, <laughs> I've I got blind without my reading glasses. So, you know, your, your nervous system is changing. And also, you know, all of your muscle mass gets a little bit less with age and you know, for women, the actual physical, well, it's the same for men too, or for everybody, the physical, you know, thing with orgasm is the contraction of the levator ani muscles. And so, you know, those muscles have maybe a little bit less bulk. Um, you know, if you've had a couple of kids, maybe the connective tissue is not, you know, quite 
quite the same. And so some Kegel exercise might be exercises might be helpful. And so I think it's important for people, you know, who maybe didn't need, uh, you know, blood flow maybe less too because of you know menopause. And so uh, you know things to increase the blood flow like a vibrator, or you might need more power where you didn't before. You know, and that's all okay. It doesn't, you know. I think the problem with with sex and specifically you know women who partner with men is anytime there's something needed that's not a penis, it's somehow looked as a fault. And, you know, obviously women who partner with women have fantastic, amazing sex, you know, without, a, there's no penis at all. Right. So, you know, a, a penis is not required. We have to get beyond, you know, what you should or shouldn't have or what society wants you. And just like, what do you need? What turns you on and what works for you? So, those are great points. Um, and you're saying that with age, there's a less intense orgasm, maybe for both men and women. Do you, you know, and there's some question about maybe using a vibrator too much causes diminished sensation, therefore less intense orgasm. Is that anything that you've read or you've studied? And I guess a better way to sum it up is, is there any downside to using a vibrator? No, I mean, there's, so there's, again, there's the myth that, you know, that, oh, if you use a vibrator too much, then you won't be able to orgasm with your partner. Well, you know, that's like saying, oh, well, if you have um, filet mignon, like, too often at the restaurant, you're like, never going to want to have steak made at home, like, whatever, like, get over yourself. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, no, I mean, it's, it's actually not, you know, there's no data that shows that. So in fact, you know, the the data would suggest that the more sexually confident someone gets, the more they know what, what feels good, the more, you know, the more comfortable they get, probably the better sex they're going to have in any situation. So, yeah. um, and I think it's so, but with age, you know, due to the changes of blood flow and aging, um, you know, there could be a decrease for some people, there might not. And, you know, there are, you know, ways around it using lubricants, moisturizers, some people may need estrogen um, and vibrators are, you know, are I think, great yeah. I think every woman would agree and Kaveh, you can chime in for the male counterpoint, but um, that with more confidence and experience and knowing your body, things get better. So that's, I do assume 30 and 40 year old women have better, different orgasms than, you know, 20 year olds, because you just know what you need and you're able to ask for it in particular. I hope. I, I don't I don't know if that's necessarily been studied. Um, so I, so I don't know. I mean, I think that, I think what I would say is just, you know, education and body confidence. And you know what, there's probably 17 and 18 year olds that are, you know, in complete command. And there are, are probably sadly women who are 48 or 49 that, you know, have never had an orgasm. So I think that, yeah. you know, there's all, all types, but I do also think that, you know, with the more confidence you get with your body, then um, for some people that might make a difference, definitely. Um, and, but you know, there's people who have great sex who don't have sex very often. And there's people who have a lot of sex and there's, it's not actually not very good. So they don't really learn much. So I think, you know, it's quantity doesn't always mean quality. Yeah. Oh, I got that. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, all right. <laughs> one, talking to you specifically. <laughs> one, one, one more. He's question. like singling me out yeah. again. No, no, I, I, you've been talking to my wife, no big deal. Um, uh, one last question for you then. So someone who's new to the game, someone who's never really used a vibrator before, what advice would you have for them? 
So yeah, so I think like keeping it simple for the first go round, because it's kind of like to any tech, right? You get a remote control that's got like 20,000 buttons on it and you're like, you're paralyzed. You get, <laughs> we get one that's got like an on and off, right? So, um, you know, so I think, so a simple, like a bullet vibrator. So they're like an oval shaped or they could be like shaped like a lipstick case or whatever. And those are specifically meant to be used externally. And those could go directly on the clitoral glands, but they could go on top of the clitoral hood, on top of the clitoral glands. You could use them up and down the sides of the labia. So you could use them on the perineum. So you could, you know, try all, you know, the thing is, if you imagine that, you know, that the clitoris is quite large underneath everything, some people might have different spots that feel, you know, feel better for different people. So, um, you know, often magazines have good, uh, you know, some of them do good reviews. A wire cutter for the New York Times did a, you know, review of vibrators last year. Um, and that's a good source. And, you know, when we're able to be out in public, <laughs> um, you know, going to a sex store, like if you have access to a store like Good Vibrations, they have incredible salespeople there. And if you're like, you know, I'm kind of new at this, like you can, like it's, it's, it's an absolute welcoming, no shame environment as it should be. And they'll be like, okay, what do you like? What, what have you done? You know, this is our entry level. These are our, you know, and they'll walk you through everything. If you're interested in maybe you know, thinking about an anal vibrator, they'll, you know, they can also look at things that are introduction or more advanced. So they can, you know, they can really kind of run the gamut for you. So I think that that's also an option, but starting with like a bullet vibrator is probably a good, um, you know, a good entry level thing. Um, you know, and then you kind of have to decide you want one that's got batteries or one that's rechargeable. Um, you know, Lilo, L-E-L-O, they're kind of a higher end vibrator company. They make beautiful vibrators. Uh, and uh, they tend to all be really quite quiet. Um, so, you know, it just depends. Some people like it has to be silent. That matters to me. Other people like I don't really care. Can sound like a jackhammer. That's okay. <laughs> Mom, okay, well, what's, what's in the dishwasher? Yeah. Like that, you know, don't put just in the, turn up the music, <laughs> turn up the mood music, you know? Um, oh my God. So there are some amazing vibrator commercials. So here's the difference. There are vibrator commercials in other countries, right? So have you ever seen a vibrator? Like there's ad for Viagra, but there are like, I've seen like one, maybe at like one in the morning, but it was terrible, like some awful one. There is some amazing vibrator ad from England or from the UK that I still have not forgotten. And it's this old grandma and you know this grandma and she's sitting on a couch and she you know you can hear the like oh mom i'm bringing you some tea just hang on and something starts to she's shifted and then something starts to vibrate and she thinks it's a phone so she's looking for the phone and she pulls up this big sort of dildo shaped vibrator that's got all the belt buttons on it and they're they're beep they're glowing so she thinks it's the phone and she puts it up to her ears and she's like hello hello and her daughter walks in with the the tree the the tray of tea and sees her mom go oh, and drops it the, you know so but that's still stigmatizing it. We need like commercials where it's just like right. vibrators are dope. Right. Have our vibrator. It's the dopest vibrator. Like mom, that's mine, not yours. Give it back. Yeah, mom, hands off. Yeah. Let go of my vibro or something, you know? I, I'll work on the, the catchy. But I, but I do think like in other, other countries, they're, you know, they have commercials. Like, Americans are very yeah. uptight. It, you know, very, they have this sort of very sort of, puritanical sort of uptightness that is not, um, that I think is, 
is fairly unique, which, you know, I, I, I can yeah. say coming from another country. <laughs> That's right. Don't judge Canada. us. Canadians judging us constantly on the yeah. show. Well, yeah. I mean, Canadians are like, you know, probably, well, I don't know. I don't think we're that uptight. Um, my no. parents were though. My parents were super uptight. My mother thought it was disgusting that I was a gynecologist. That was dirty. Interesting. And why couldn't I, why couldn't I do something nice for women's health, like be a radiologist and read mammograms? <laughs> <laughs> because gynecologist was not nice for women's health. Got very, it. very nasty. Not a nice thing to do. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. So well, obviously. Well, Dr. Gunter, the things you have done for women's health is amazing, and it, we really appreciate it. We appreciate you coming on the show. Um, there's so many things we want to plug for you, but let's let's focus on. Oh, that's another vibrator. Oh, plug. Plug. oh and I should have I missed that one. Oh, I'm so mad at myself. Thank um, you. Okay, you have, um, you have a new book, right? I, I do. I do. I'm so excited. Um, it's called The Menopause Manifesto. Um, and yeah, it's everything you wanted to know about menopause, but didn't even know you should ask. And it's about the history of menopause, how we evolved to have menopause, um, how, uh, you know, all the biology of it and what to do if you're having symptoms and what kind of preventative care to take. Oh man. When does it come out? May 25th, but I'll make sure you guys get advanced copies. And then you'll have to come on and... We'll also have to do another episode because uh, I know I'm going to get messages from guys being like, where's the episode on the flashlight? So we'll have to like talk about the male sex toys at some point, but we'll definitely- uh, You would need a different expert for that. <laughs> right. But it might still be fun just to have you there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Tell us about the uh, Amazon series. Oh yeah. So I have a TV series called Gensplaining. Um, and my son says that my, fan, my fans are called Gensplainers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, Gensplaining. So it was uh, funded by the CBC and it was in Canada and then finally has come down here and you can watch it on, there's six episodes on Amazon and two free ones floating around on YouTube. If you watch it and leave a rating. So I was like, you know, to tell people that, you know, you can support, that's incredible support for people. So when you like a podcast, right, if you put in something good, if you, if you put in your likes, you know, that, that makes a difference. It, it helps the rating system, but also, you know, tells the CBC and Amazon that, that you like this and you'd want to see more of it. And it's a really good show. It's really fun. It's entertaining. Um, I, I went through all of them really quickly, uh, binged them all really quickly. I can't recommend it enough. Dr. Gunter, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Three time club. Three all right. Club. Three, three times. Time three times. Woo! Yeah, we'll get you your shirt. <laughs> Hello. 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 Oh. Uh, okay. uh, <laughs> uh oh. Uh, wait, wait. This is the vibrator episode. Do we have this on recording? Is this, uh, <laughs> this podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified healthcare provider for your specific healthcare needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.